Hey there, listeners. I am Joanne Lee Cornish, your truth bomb dropper in the world of weight loss, body composition, and mastering the art of rocking the body you've always deserved and dreamed of in midlife and beyond. Let's cut through the noise. Society tells us it's downhill from now on. We're told to embrace the middle age weight gain, embrace the muscle loss and poor health. If that's your vibe, then cool. But if you're ready to defy the narrative, then I am your gal. This podcast is a no-fluff podcast where we break down the essential truths of body composition, toss around some practical tips, and dissect the latest trends. I'm not here to sugarcoat. I'm here to show you what's not just possible, but downright probable for you. If you enjoy this content, be sure to click the link in the show notes to explore how we can team up and kick mediocrity to the curb. I offer one-on-one coaching, my ever-popular group coaching programs, and my corporate Educate to Elevate program. Okay, let's get on with the podcast. Enjoy. What is your body type? There are three recognized body types. That is the ectomorph, the mesomorph, and the endomorph. Then for ladies, there's another two body types to consider, and that is the estrogenic and the androgenic physique. So let's break them down. And really, the importance of understanding your body type as it relates to how you should train and what you should eat for your goal type. So let's actually start with the estrogenic androgenic. So this is for the ladies. Um, Ladies, the estrogenic physique, smaller, shorter, um, busty, little waist, big hips, uh, bigger hips, so curvy. Um, that is more of an estrogenic body. Androgenic body, taller, slimmer hips, like, you know, not much difference between your waist and your hips, uh, wider shoulders, more of a square jawline, uh, less bust. That would be an androgenic physique. So estrogenic to androgenic and everything in between. So the beauty of recognizing between differentiating between those two is just just being realistic about your goals. So I'm definitely more of an androgenic physique. I am five foot seven. I have got wide shoulders, uh, no busts, slim hips, um, boyish. I guess you would say not no, not a curve to be seen. Um, weight I don't really even hold it in my lower body. You know that would be more on my back, things like that. So very much an androgenic physique. So if I looked at the Kardashians or something and I was like, oh, that's what I want to look like, it would be somewhat unrealistic. And, you know, as it would be unrealistic for a Kardashian to look at me and be like, I want to look like Joanne, not that they would ever want to do that. But you see what I'm saying? Recognizing your body type and then being realistic about your goal type, staying within the realms of reality, I guess. So what about the other three? The other three you might have heard about, um, ectomorph, mesomorph and endomorph. So first, the ectomorph. The ectomorph is somebody, and this is male or female, is uh, the ectomorph is somebody that doesn't have a weight problem. Other people look at them and with maybe a a little bit of envy because these people never seem to gain weight. Slim, sinewy, can eat what they want, never seem to gain a pound. A true ectomorph will have a slightly pointier chin, fine hair, Uh, longer digits, longer fingers and toes. And they will have about five pounds on their belly that drives them 
crazy. So everybody will be telling them like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky, you're so slim. And they will be very self-conscious about this little pooch they have on their belly. And in their attempts to lose it, because they will try to lose that by cardio, I'll get to that in a second. And what happens is they just lose more and more muscle and that pooch doesn't go anywhere. So the other thing about ectomorphs is they are high energy people. So if you're an ectomorph, think about yourself. Uh, we all know an ectomorph. Think about that person. And you'll recognize that they can't sit still. They're always on the go. They love cardio. They love endurance sport, which is the irony because people say you don't even have to, you don't have to lose weight. Why do you like to run 10 miles a day and things like this? They they never stop. They're the person that stays, you know, last thing at work. They never, never seem tired. They're always on the go. Duh, 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 duh. And I, I will explain why that is important for that body type. But that that would be an ectomorph. They love, 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 love um, cardio, endurance, that sort of thing. Um, then there is the mesomorph. So the mesomorph is your athlete. I would class myself in my heyday as kind of a meso. So the mesomorph can put on muscle pretty easily. And if they kind of behave themselves, they can they can kind of stay lean. So they never had to diet too hard in their younger days. They they can stay kind of conditioned by being somewhat good. They're great athletes, they're explosive athletes, the performance athletes. You know, it's your footballer, it's your that just gains muscle real easy, got got strong conditioned physique. You would think they would be blessed, but I'll get to it in a moment, but there's actually a turning point for me uh, some mesos. Then you have the endomorphs. So the endomorphs are uh, heavier people. They have a lot more fat, but they also have a lot of muscle under that fat. They generally have a rounder face. They have beautiful skin and they've got um, shorter fingers and toes. So they have shorter digits. And sometimes um, endomorphs are classed as being low energy, even the word lazy gets thrown about, which I really dislike, um, but they might be lower energy. So <clears throat> let me address that. You have an ectomorph, very slender, doesn't gain weight, high energy. Then you have an endomorph who is a much heavier person, a lot more fat, and maybe is lower energy. Now, this is one hypothesis, but hypothesis, but I don't know. It, it would seem somewhat accurate. So the hypothesis is the one of nutrient partitioning. That being said, so nutrients go into the bloodstream and with an uh, ectomorph, they don't go into storage. So they, they are left available to be used as fuel. So that is why they would have more energy. They, they've got more energy to burn off. Whereas with the endomorph, the heavier person, the, their nutrients go straight into storage, not allowing for that much energy to be um, available, and therefore they are lower energy. And although that's a hypothesis, that does seem to be somewhat accurate. So let's also look at it a bit deeper that, that, that we do actually know about the ectomorph. So the ectomorph um, has a, a burns a higher level of neat calories. So that's N-E-A-T. So what neat calories are? So if you it's um, non-exercise uh, activity thermogenesis. An example would be so this is 
exercise that you are not aware that you're doing. This is activity that you're not aware you're doing. So this could be somebody that's always tapping their toes or always fidgeting or they just can't sit still. Um, it's not intentional. They're just like that. So they can't, you know, the person that's hopping from one foot to another and they can't sit still and they're always fidgeting. That They are called NEAT calories, N-E-A-T. And they can be, you know, five to 700 calories a day in this non-intentional activity um, calorie burn. Ectomorphs have more need. They, they have more need. They do more need. They, they have a higher calorie burn with this non-intentional exercise, fidgeting, can't sit still, moving around. You would think that is nothing, but again, that can equate to like, at least 500 calories a day. So that is also down to why the ectomorphs are slimmer because they are just burning more calories. Now, the thing about uh, NEAT is you can't do that yourself. You're either doing it or you're not because it's it's non-intentional. As soon as it becomes intentional, it's not NEAT. Right? You can't just focus on fidgeting and things like that and, and it's NEAT. It's not. It's um, It's got to be non-intentional. So it's really down to the person and that, and that body type. And NEAT, these uh, non-exercise calories, this non-exercise thermogenesis, is also the reason that um, a metabolic rate drops with uh, restriction. So you might have heard that if you go on a prolonged diet, it can reduce your metabolic rate. Now, first things, you'd have to be severely restricted, and, and that happens after about four to six, six weeks of restriction. So, you know, my peak week shred isn't going to do that. Or, you know, a few weeks ago, lower calories, not going to do that. Or, you know, that maybe a program that you're on, but it's got a few off-plan meals every week is not going to do that. But I have seen that indeed in the competitive world, in, in bodybuilding and fitness, um, where because the body's placed in a place of such restriction, that the metabolic rate drops. Well, the way the metabolic rate drops is the body... Um, reduces NEAT. It reduces these non-intentional, non-exercise calories being burned. That is where the metabolism drops. Uh, basically, the, the body's like, hey, I need to conserve here because I'm not getting enough food. So I'm going to conserve. I'm going to reduce NEAT, these um, non-intentional calories. That's kind of interesting. And we can go into muscle loss and things like that. But ooh, NEAT is... um. I talk about this a lot in my ooh, type 28 program. I think I talk about that. But that's a curious thing. Um, so now we've got the the ectomorph. So they're high energy. They have maybe this nutrient partitioning. So they have more energy to burn. It is most definitely uh, they are burning more calories in non-exercise thermogenesis. But this, this person has still got a little pooch that they want to get rid of. So they love cardio. They love exercise, so they're going to try and exercise it off. What's going to happen there is they're going to lose more and more muscle, and that pooch isn't going to go anywhere. For an ectomorph, we want to we want to give them weight. We, we want to build muscle. We want to make them strong because I'll tell you, there is nothing prettier, male or female, there is nothing prettier than an ectomorph with muscle. I mean, if anybody's listening to this is trying to do the bikini competitions um, and, and compete in those bikini competitions, an ectomorph with muscle will take a lot of beating. I mean, that's going to be tough because the ectomorph is already slim, uh, slender. They've already got beautiful long limbs. Um, 
and they don't have to diet really at all or not not like other people because they're already lean now you put some muscle on that person and that is absolutely gorgeous absolutely gorgeous and you know it's hard to beat ectomorphs are strong they are um, oh gosh it's a whole separate podcast i would need to do on hard gainers and people that have difficulty gaining muscle but uh, ectomorphs are usually hard gainers they are hard gainers and so we have to train them slow and heavy. So they like to go fast with light weights or no weights, but they need to slow down and lift heavy, big weights. And they can do that because ectomorphs are always stronger than they look. They uh, they can be crazy. It can be the it can be the guy that's you know you know buck fifty in the gym and he's benching you know this huge weight. They are much stronger than they look. And again. I can explain that in a different podcast down to the ability to build muscle hypertrophy hard gainers. But um, to lose that pooch, that little belly fat, they actually need to build muscle. And so we have to slow things down and try and lift as heavy as we can safely. That's what I'm going to do with an ectomorph. Also, with regards to nutrition, I don't need, I mean, I like fasting. It's a tool. It's just a tool. It's not for any, everybody. But I wouldn't use fasting with an ectomorph. Don't need to. And I, and there's absolutely no reason to go very low carb with an ectomorph. It's just a matter of timing the carbohydrates correctly. So how I would train an ectomorph and how I would write a nutrition plan out for an ectomorph is completely different to how I would write that, that routine out for a meso or an endo. So what would I do with a mesomorph? So the mesomorph, remember, is the athlete... Um, they gain muscle pretty easy. They can lose fat pretty easy. What am I going to do with this person? Now, this person's ideal for HIIT training, uh, high-intensity interval training. This is the person that's going to jump in the peloton class. They're going to do um, orange theory. They're going to do maybe CrossFit, something like that, anything which, which involves power and speed um, and, and they, they, you know the circuits and things like that. They're going to do great on that. Um Yes, we can go slow and heavy on the weights. We certainly can. But these are the people that I'm going to do more supersets. I'm going to do drop sets. I'm going to do mini circuits. Um, that's how, And then with cardio, I'm probably going to do more HIIT training with them, um, less steady state cardio. With nutrition, now I, I might use a little bit of fasting. Um, I'll definitely reduce their carbs. Their protein intake is going to be high. I'm probably going to time those carbs. It, it, it really would with the mesos because they respond so well at first that – um, we don't have to push too hard on the diet. It's mainly, it's usually tidying things up because they've been so blessed that their eating can actually be pretty off track. So once you actually get their eating in line, they get great results. But training wise, they've got power, they've got speed, they, they can go fast, they can be strong and fast at the same time, uh, faster workouts, circuit type workouts. Uh, that is what I'm going to do with the meso. Now I get to the endo. So the endomorph, um, Heavier person, a lot of muscle. Um, there is a, a safety issue here, especially if they're not used to training. And it drives me to distraction when I see these people that are encouraged to do HIIT training. You know, so say, they, say they're 50, 60 pounds overweight, you know, that, that's a weight distribution over their joint. And you're like, oh, just go into orange theory, just go into you know, CrossFit. Like, well, what? What? You know, unless they're already experiencing that, that's not what I'm going to do. Am I going to go slow and heavy in the gym? No, because they already have a lot of muscle. It's just under fat. So what am I going to do with this person? 
I'm going to take them to the gym. I am going to speed it up a bit. I am going to do supersets, but not not like high speed circuits. But it, we, I am going to keep them moving because I'm going to get the calorie burn that way. I'm going to get them a bit more conditioned that way. Uh, the rep range is probably going to be a little bit higher. And for cardio, I'm not going to ask them to do steady state cardio. I'm going to do steady state, long duration cardio. That works really well for um, endomorphs. It's it's safer. Um, the risk is less. Um, again, unless they're already accustomed to it. But steady state cardio is going to work fantastic because with them, I want the calorie burn. If I have them do HIIT training, they might be they might give the, give me a hundred percent and be done in ten minutes. And oh great, I burnt one hundred and fifty calories. I'd rather they went and walked their dogs and went hiking and burnt eight hundred calories. You know, so for them, it's all about the calorie burn. So in the gym. I'm going to go for the calorie burn by speeding things up a little bit, maybe going between two exercises, definitely doing um, some mobility work, uh, working through the seven movement patterns, because with their weight distribution, certain movement patterns can be off. Um, so I'm going to get them used to moving their body through different movement patterns safely and with, with a little bit of speed so I get more of a calorie burn. With regards to nutrition, if I've got a healthy endomorph, so what I mean by that is is not a diabetic, um, pre-diabetic, but if I've got a pretty healthy um, endomorph, then I am going to use fasting as a tool. Now, to be clear, fasting doesn't work better than any other weight loss principle, but for a endomorph, it proves to be a very effective tool. So if they've got a little, little bit of insulin resistance, you know, we crush insulin with fasting, um, we, we we can just they they have a more fat on their body to access. It's just a useful tool to have. I'm not going to do that with an ectomorph who doesn't have any fat in their body. So with an endomorph, I'm going to suggest we're going to do some intermittent fasting, and I'm going to go pretty low carb. So I'm going to go pretty low carb, um, and I'm going to give them a few off-plan meals a week. But as a general rule, I'm going to keep them pretty low carb all day with a few off off meals plan plan during the week. That's what I'm going to do with an endomorph. So you see how the training um, and the nutrition is very different for the three body types. Um, and most of us might fall somewhere in between. So you might be an ectomeso or mesoendo. But with a, for, for a trainer, a nutritionist, if they're working privately with somebody, somebody you know, that's kind of the first thing I'm looking at. It's like, what body type have I got here? Now, some people that get to middle age and like, I don't even know what body type I am. And I get it. I get it. The, the body can morph so much. Like, I don't even know what I am. I used to be this. So I think I'm that. Uh, so think back to when you were in your prime. What did you look like? You know, and again, what was your bone structure? Do you have long clavicles? You know, that's going to be androgenic for the ladies. Um, are you busty? Have you got a little waist? Are you tall? Are you short? You know, um, Figure out what your body type is, and then a good trainer, a good nutritionist would be able to gauge your plan accordingly. But otherwise, an ectomorph is going to try and do um, an endomorph's protocol. You know, the ectomorph is going to try and do long-duration cardio, and they're going to try and fast and cut carbs. They're going to lose muscle, and it's going to be lose even more muscle, and they're still going to have that little pooch. Completely different. No. With the, the mesomorph, the athlete, things can change because you think that they're the blessed ones, and they are at first. I, I, well, you know, some people think the ectomorphs are blessed because they're always so slim, but the mesomorphs are really pretty blessed there for a while because they're just, you know, 
they can be muscular, they can lose fat, they, they've got performance or athletic. I mean, kind of sweet. But things can go wrong for them. And this is where life has a way of leveling the playing field. So you get the endomorph, the heavy person. And there's a chance that they've been dealing with this their whole life. And they've been learning thing, learning about themselves their whole life. They've figured out what works and what doesn't, and certain experiences worked and some didn't. And they have been, you know, running this race and on this journey and on this path uh, with their body composition, you know, their whole life. You get the mesomorph that hasn't even really had to think about it, maybe throwing down some fast food and not really bothering because they still have the six-pack in the morning and performing well and, and doing well and, you know, not really paying too much attention to the food. They're eating good, but certainly not perfect. And certainly the endomorph wouldn't get away with eating like that. But then middle age comes along. So with a mesomorph, say they were the athlete. And then maybe their athletic career is over and then they can go one way or another. So you get former athletes, they either keep being athletes and, and you know, keep training and that's who they are. Um, or when the competitive days are over, they don't keep training. They don't have any reason to train and they stop. And we, I'm trying to think of a good example here of, well, two examples. One of somebody that's continued after retiring and, and, and then an example of somebody, you know, where you look in the tabloids and it's like, oh, here they are now. And they look absolutely horrendous. And you're like, my gosh, that was so-and-so. So this is when it gets somewhat um, ironic, I guess. So you get the mesomorph, blessed all the life, get to mid-age. Maybe they're not doing their activity anymore, their sport. And they cruise for a while. And then their body starts changing and all of a sudden they're gaining weight and losing muscle and they've never experienced this before and they've never dealt with it before. And they are now maybe mid 40s, maybe mid 50s, and they don't know what to do about it. Um, they've never tried to change the body composition. The composition's always worked really well for them. And now they've got decades and decades and decades of bad habits and maybe a little bit of reckless eating to unravel. And that's difficult, especially difficult when it goes against your identity. Your identity is like, hey, I'm the jock, I'm the athlete. And now it's, well, well, now you're not. And now you've got a weight problem on your hands. And right at the same time, you have the endomorph. So you have the endomorph who has been dealing with their body composition their entire life. And they might just have got it under control and they've found their way of eating and they found the exercise they worked and they overtake them as well. They overtake them. This is the perfect example of, um, you know, hard work will always beat talent. Talent will take you so far, but hard work will always beat it. I have seen this before when the people that are not genetically gifted, they're not the uh, gifted this beautiful body in um, in earlier years, but they work at it and they they figure a way of eating that works for them and the exercise that works for them. And then they hit midlife and they are, at, they might be a few pounds away, but they're healthy. Their body's responsive. Their muscle is responsive. And as they get to the same age, the meso comes along who, although they've always been blessed, they're not that healthy because that processed food 
you know, and all that sugar and that fructose, it's kind of affected the liver. The liver's now really not burning fat that well. Now there's some insulin resistance going on. The insulin insulin resistance is triggering anabolic resistance. And now they're losing muscle and the training and the training's not quite working anymore. And they can't really lose weight. And hey-ho, the endomorph overtakes. Body types. Knowing your body type, recognizing your body type, for one, it keeps you realistic about your goals. But it also, to a experienced professional, which are the only ones you should be paying, um, they will recognize your body type and they will work with it. They will work with your body type and use the tools appropriate for that body type. It is fascinating. Um, I guess the next podcast should really be on fat patterning, huh? Because that's a whole different thing as well. But I hope that helps uh, recognizing your body type and identifying it and matching it up with the correct goal type and the right technique. hanging out with me today. I trust I sparked your interest, provided a nugget or two of wisdom, and armed you with something practical for immediate use. If you've got burning questions or specific topics that you'd like me to tackle, check out the show notes for ways to reach out. Until next time, stay curious. If you've enjoyed this content, be sure to click the link in the show notes to explore how we can work together. And please go to www.theshrinkshop.com. Dot com.